forever. Dog. Welcome to Public Intellectual. I'm your host, Jessica Crispin. Public Intellectual is a podcast that only exists in this realm because of the generous support of its listeners. If you would like to become a supporter, please go to patreon.com slash public intellectual and let us bribe you with bonus episodes and exclusive content and, you know, whatever. Anyway, patreon.com slash public intellectual. At least this is not an ad for a mattress. What happens when the thing that you love becomes popular and inevitably is dumbed down? Astrology is booming. It's not just all over social media and women's media. It's making a lot of money right now. Just Google venture capitalists plus astro apps and take a look. So I wanted to talk to Amelia Quint. She runs the Midheaven and does a lot of freelance work for astrology around the area. And I wanted to talk to her about what happens when astrology, if you're treating it as a serious pursuit, suddenly becomes a meme or a really mean joke. And yes, we're going to talk about astrology as if it were a real thing. And I know how much that bothers some of you. So trigger warning, astrology talk ahead. How do we, as people who actually care about astrology and tarot and witchcraft and so on, how do we navigate or even begin to think about this moment of time where all of that has been so commodified uh, and so used in pursuit of winning at capitalism rather than as a tool of uh, moving against it? So I think, I think there's a couple directions to come at this from, but I think the first thing to think about is that at least for my practice personally, you know, I started doing this many years ago. I think I started practicing professionally in 2013 and I really did it uh, to take control of my own narrative. I live in South Carolina um, and especially back in 2013, nobody, I mean, people maybe heard about an astrology column, but being an out witch was not really a thing that you did. Um, and I had, I had friends that knew people were trying to, you know, start to find out about the work that I was doing. Um, but I started publishing online about the work uh, of astrology just as a way to say, you know, I'm not the devil that you might think I am. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think it, my hope, at least, um, since a lot of us have been in this game for a long time, is that it's really come from a place of trying to empower yourself or speak out and make things that are on the fringe more, not necessarily acceptable, but visible. Um, but unfortunately, as with most things, I mean, obviously, we're on the heels of Pride Month. Um, we've taken something that was supposed to be very beautiful and a celebration of people that are outside the norm and just like brought it right into the middle and tried to make a lot of money off of it. Um, so as far as that goes, I think you just need to ask yourself what 
the purpose of your witchcraft is, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because sometimes these days, I, I, at least in conversations I see online, it's like people want to get into witchcraft now so that they can get a bigger Instagram following. And like, that's just so beyond my understanding, like things have changed so much. Well, every time I watch some sort of video on YouTube about an introduction to witchcraft, the first thing that they always do is a spell for success, right? It's always, um, <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason, it's always money or, or career ambition. Um, and it just seems, well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of crossover between uh, the witchcraft movement and sort of contemporary feminism. Um, there are a lot of feminists who show up um, at uh, at protests and so on, wearing these shirts that say, you know, I'm the descendant of the witches you couldn't burn and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of that, but it does seem like both fall into similar traps, um, which is just about, are you super for the system and, and wanting to win it? Or are you <laughs> against the system? Um, and it seems like that the most vocal um, parts of both movements are pro-system. It does seem to be that way, you know, saying one thing and then doing something that's very, very different than that. I don't know. Um, You know, I keep thinking about the the Hex Trump um, debacle and like how many conversations that started. Um, And I wonder like where that, lies on the spectrum i guess that's more okay because you're using your uh magical powers for political gain instead of uh instagram gain not that instagram is this horrible institution but um (laughs) yeah it is it is i say as instagram is currently down and the world is absolutely losing its mind over it I keep checking it every three minutes, so I'm not (laughs) any better. (laughs) I checked it before we just started talking. Like, I think it's back, but I'm not totally sure. Um, Anyways, yeah, I mean, whoever thought we would get to this moment where there was the... Do you remember the Sephora witch kit? No. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so... I'm pretty sure they pulled it from the shelves. I'm not totally sure. Like Google this and 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 back me up. But there was um, a company called Pinrose, which actually makes really lovely uh, fragrances. Um, sold through Sephora this uh, like witch sampler kit, and it had like some uh, like one of their perfumes, and it had some like white sage, of course, and like maybe a mm-hmm. crystal. And it was like oh, oh your yeah. little witch starter pack, and. You know, people were upset for lots of reasons. Number one, like we're selling a, a witch starter pack at Sephora. It just seems like we've hit peak witch. But every time I say that, we go a little further. And then, of course, like white sage is way over harvested. That is an indigenous tradition. And we're just putting it in a box and buying it at the mall. There's a lot wrong with that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I see the advertisements mostly on Instagram for the witch in a box kit, like the monthly oh, subscription kits. One. Yeah, it's, uh, and there are a couple of them, but it's like these monthly subscription boxes in, in the way of, you know, uh, Ipsy and Birchbox and all these other things, except for it's crystals oh. instead of lipstick. But it's the same, it's the same idea. Um, so yeah, it, there's, 
you know, and I'm not, I do, every time we, we sort of have this conversation, I'm not mad at teenage girls trying to figure this shit out who are interested in this variant form of spirituality and art, et cetera, et cetera, or, or, you know, trying to decide on their political ideology. I am not mad at them. I'm mad at the people exploiting them. And I feel like once we have these conversations, mm-hmm. it's easy for people to be like, well, what about, you know, what about the teenage girl? Uh, <laughs> the teenage <laughs> girls are fine. Teenage girls are fine. They're insane. God bless them. They're all crushing on Ted Bundy or something on Tumblr. Like, I don't know what they're oh doing, but they're God. fine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I just want to tell everybody, like, in this particular witchcraft cultural moment, that being a witch is not something that you you wear or that you use. It's something that you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if you didn't go out to the store and buy a witch kit, or even if you didn't even go to the, the grocery store and buy herb supplies, like, doing witchcraft is still something that is available to you. You don't have to participate in consumerism to make that a part of your life at all. You just have to go outside and look at the moon. When do you think uh, the consumerist part of it sort of uh, swamped the genuine interest in it? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, Personally, I started to see the tides shifting. I mean, around 2016, and I hadn't put that together until we just started speaking about it. Um, But I think maybe the popularity of, I think people had a genuine need to resist after the Mm -hmm. election in 2016. Um, And my, again, my hope is that it came from a positive place, but I think what happened was, you know, stores and publishers, once it was made more visible through Hex Trump and other such things, like they just tried to capitalize it in, every possible way um you know like chilling adventures of sabrina i think there's even like a show about jack parsons on tv right now on like yeah it's bad yeah it's on amc it's not it's really not good no no it's cbs yeah Yeah, it's bad i cannot believe the network picked that up okay (laughs) yeah uh i'll pass on it but that was when i personally started to see i think before then i got my first horoscope column in 2015 um for Covetour, which was very much like luxury branded and all the work I've done I mean I am not embarrassed to do luxury branded stuff but only if it's a company that I believe in and I would buy their products anyways right Mm -hmm. I figure I figure if there's gonna be stuff out there it should be coming from someone who's mystically accurate and culturally conscious I think Mm -hmm. is what I said on my website Um, But anyways, yeah, that was really when the tide shifted from people having a genuine interest. I started, you know, the questions in my inbox really changed from, I want to learn more about this. I'm so excited. Like, how can I learn? What can you tell me? Like, where do I dig in to how can I make money off this? I see that you're profiting off this. How do I do that too? Um, Yeah, that happened to me too. Yeah. It it stopped being, uh, what are the resources for learning more about tarot to how long into your learning process uh, did you decide to take money for your readings and that sort of thing? Um, yeah. yeah. And I still get those questions and I don't write back. <laughs> they make me very angry. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes I do write back and I'm like, well, 
maybe we should check <laughs> our purpose first. Um, I hate to be that person, but someone's got to do it. Somebody's mm. got to do it. Yeah. Um, the, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, like, when did you start seeing those questions come into your inbox? Like around what time? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe around 2016, but I haven't thought about it. Um, but yeah, like there was some sort of tipping point where it became professionalized and certain, um, figures were developing brands, very strong brands, um, and getting a lot of money. And, um, I have noticed, and I don't know if this is like a whole other conversation, but it seems like the astrologers and the tarot people and the whatever um, that be have become sort of the most popular are the people who are the most um, afraid of darkness <laughs> in, in the sense yeah. of like Saturn is a learning opportunity and Pluto is just rebirth rather than just, you know, fucking cancer or whatever. Um, so it's very much focused on self-empowerment, uh, teachable moments and so on, rather than, um, sort of old school astrology, which is you are at the whim of the gods who don't give a shit about you. (laughs) Um, but that of course is much more popular in our moment and much speaks to our moment much more the, the whole idea that you get to learn from everything that happens to you. I mean, maybe it just makes life easier, this idea that, you know, there's a purpose to everything. I've always found that idea troubling. Like, if I'm going through a really horrible time of needless suffering, like, I don't want to be told, oh, well, that's happening for a reason, sweetheart. Like, that always just makes you feel like shit. Um, But yet, that's what I, you're right, the most successful astrologers are teaching people. I've also noticed the most successful astrologers, they seem to have the sort of, how do I describe it? Like, cultural sensitivity and like fluidity um Mm -hmm. like a willingness to go along with whatever the uh societal trend is at the moment and capitalize on that right like Mm -hmm. sure you wonder like what are your political convictions like actually or is it just like it's all a teachable moment um yeah yeah yeah. um yeah I, i guess part of the appeal of that belief is that if you learn the lesson whatever it is if you figure it out then it'll stop happening like if you right like we can pre- yeah. permanently prevent suffering from happening if we get smart enough at it right yeah if we if we reach enlightenment we will never get cancer or our husband will never leave us or sure you know, you know we'll never go whatever. We'll His mistress to, will yeah. never set our house on fire. You know, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that wouldn't happen. But you never know. Weird. <laughs> Uranian true. transits, you can't, you, you don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have uh, Uranus opposite my son right now. And oh, fuck. Life is a trash fire. It's just, yeah, you're, it's you're fucked. by the day. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, I always... The fun thing for me is like, I feel like my clients or the people that I've worked with, they know that if I'm telling something good, telling them something good, like I mean that um, because something bad is happening. I'll be like, oh no, like this could be really shitty. Or totally fun. Yeah. I mean, I've been through Uranus oppositions for the, like, for the last, you know, 10 years of my life and they finally stopped because it, we ran out of planets. 
So uh, the last, the last, the last one is Uranus opposite Uranus, which I'm super excited for my convertible and my 22 year old secretary lover. Um, I feel like that's going to be oh, really good for me. Are you going to just like cut off all your hair or like bleach? Yeah, it no, shave it off. I don't know. Shave it off and <laughs> and get a tattoo like all down my back, like Ben Affleck did when he was going through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I, I'm imagining you getting like the John Wick bat tattoo specifically. <laughs> no, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting the Ben Affleck dra- weird dragon, like tragic dragon fullback oh, tattoo. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It makes me feel so sad. <laughs> I haven't gotten any back tattoos yet, so I feel like I'm winning this transit. Well, it's still, it's still got a while. They, they take a while, you know. That's true. Um, By December, anything could happen. Anything. Yeah. I have a related question, uh, which Mm -hmm. is why is astrology so mean now? Why is everything like Geminis are garbage? Like, why is it? (laughs) Oh, my God. Why is astrology so mean? I feel like it's also like, well, I have two thoughts on that. The first one is, I think it's just needlessly mean. I don't want to be dragged within an inch of my life. I just want the facts. If the facts are funny and mean, like, I'm totally open to that. But I feel like it's meanness for the sake of meanness, which frankly Mm -hmm. just gets boring after a while. Like, if I read another thing about how, like, all Gemini men are trash, I'm just like, okay, excuse me, bored, next. Um, But sometimes I wonder if the sort of meanification of astrology hasn't come with some... mm, meanness in certain astrological circles right like it's indicative of the culture that's creating it right because it used to just be horoscopes but now it's memes so it used to just be or you know even just a year ago it was that every single um especially women's media website and magazine had a new astrology column but now it's constant instagram and twitter memes yeah it's, Which are it's, about how Geminis are garbage. I mean, imagine if you imagine you're me and you're Scorpio Sun and, and Gemini Moon. So <laughs> there's nowhere that's safe for me. Uh, I just accept that everyone hates me everywhere I go. Yeah, um, you're just super. That's serial killer central, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I forgot to mention I have that grand mutable cross. So I'm definitely a serial killer. Um, definitely garbage. Just Mm -hmm. checking all the boxes. No, as far as the memification, I just, I want to make it clear. I don't have a problem with astrology memes when they're good and they're funny. Like sometimes a meme will like strike a chord and be like, oh, that was very thoughtful. And, and you, you knew what you were talking about. The ones that get me are the ones on Instagram. And like, I don't even know what the accounts are, but they'll have like six different signs. It'll be like, Leo, Aquarius, Virgo, Gemini, such and such. And then Mm. it'll say something about them. And I'm like, none of those signs share any sort of qualities. Like you just put different signs together and set a thing. I don't understand that meme style. I don't either. And it's very much a kind of um, just a new form of telling people what to do, of just being super bossy. Like the, I don't Mm. have um, the CoStar app. But anytime anybody posts like a screenshot of the horoscope that they have from CoStar, I'm kind of horrified because it's really just like, you're fucking everything up, like do it, you know, Um, it's really kind of intense. And I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. It's some sort of combination of 
life coach and just like uh, spin class meanness that I I don't just doesn't appeal to me. Ooh, yeah, spin class meanness is very very accurate. Um, yeah, it's like that friend who like drinks one too many glasses of wine and tries to tell you like, well, you should have quit your job five years ago, and you're like, ooh, excuse me, like I was just asking for a little reassurance. Yeah, um, this is fine. CoStar is an interesting one. I worry with the astrology apps about the algorithms and how they actually work. So like mm-hmm. I have Mars at 29 degrees Pisces and it's mm-hmm. like, I forget how many minutes it is, but it's like almost, it's at the very, very end of the Zodiac. But um, sometimes when I put my chart into apps, like specifically CoStar, um, it pulls up as being Mars and Aries. And like, I know mm-hmm. that's not right. So I just get concerned about the folks who like, that's the only place they get their astrology from. And like Mars and Pisces and Mars and Aries are very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you can make an argument about how, yeah, in my, in my progress chart, I do have Mars and Aries, but um, I don't think most people are thinking of it from that perspective. Maybe. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um and so that's also part of it, which is just garbage information. And I don't mean to be mm-hmm. too much of like astrology is a science, but um, it's complicated, right? Uh, so how do we, I don't know, this is too big of a question for you to actually answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> of like, how do, we, how, how do we protect the integrity of the pursuit of astro- astrological meaning um, in a culture that is just funny jokes on Instagram for the most part. Oh, if anybody can answer that question, maybe then maybe they'll become the richest astrologer of all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think if we're going to make any attempt to preserve the integrity or rigor of astrology, when it's sort of all memes, we have to... I don't want to say self-police. Like we have to want that rigor. We have to make it cool somehow to have that rigor again without becoming excessively exclusive or, you know, looking down on those teenagers maybe who we all once were who were interested in something that's outside of typical religion or philosophy or way of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it it baffles me, right? Because everything now is driven by numbers and the the trick with this is that in order for people to move past the sort of memeified astrology, which has a lot of inaccuracies, like at some point, somebody has to tell you that you're wrong. And that's mm-hmm. a really hard thing to hear. No one wants to be told that they're wrong. Um, so at least in my practice, it's just staying kind of quietly committed to doing what is accurate and right, you know, without telling everybody else they're garbage because they might do it a little <laughs> differently because that's the thing like astrology is not a science and I've gotten shit for saying this before but I'll say it again now astrology is intuitive right astrology is magic mm-hmm. um so in in my mind that's how you can use different house systems or um other different ways of reading and it all still has validity right but I think Figuring out what the good books are and and talking to your friends who have been in the game for a while about what's worked for them. And honestly, just practice. Um, I've been keeping astrology journals or just writing in my diary about what transits I'm having and what transits my friends are have been having for years. And, mm-hmm. and that's the most accurate thing you can do is 
quiz being that annoying friend who quizzes everybody in their life about like what's your birth chart and instead of just saying like um wow you're a gemini so you're garbage like asking them questions like oh well i see that you're having the sun opposite uranus like how does that feel to you how are you experiencing that and gathering data in real time that way can be very very meaningful it can help build your relationships um but also build your vocabulary of what is astrologically possible I often freak my friends out by remembering what degree planets are in their chart. And so knowing, oh, you started the Saturn transit today. How's it going so far? Um, but so uh, oh, what, I know it's, it's psychotic, <laughs> though. It, it's like oh, that, that thing of like, it's still a little too much. Um, so what do you think of the push toward accreditation and you know so for the sort of lay person uh listening to this although if somebody doesn't actually believe in astrology i don't know why they're listening to this particular episode but um <laughs> what can you just explain what the sort of uh accreditation process for astrology is yeah so First of all, I think it's good to put it in context. So accreditation for astrology has been around for a while, but I've noticed as there's been this like massive influx of new astrologers or people who have an interest in astrology on social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, people sort of fall into one or two camps naturally. They're either in the um, all Scorpios are just horny camp of the very mm -hmm. like, um, I'm going to stick a, a sign name on this picture and then it's a beam. Or there's this other camp that's developing that I, I just don't agree with. I think it comes from a good place, but I think um, it's just something to watch out for. So this push that you you have to be an accredited astrologer else your, your work is not valid or, um, you know, you're not rigorous enough or not uh, official enough. Um, and, and it's just this wild sort of thing to watch because as we talked about, like astrology is bound by certain rules, um, but by the, the strictest terms, astrology is not a science. You know, as someone who's worked in universities and around scientists for years, I find it absurd to call astrology a science, right? Um, but, but we're using words in astrology in the accredited circles of like, we have to make sure everything is peer reviewed and um, you know, and, and the biggest part is it's part of the capitalization of witchcraft. You know, you, you have to pay us money, right? So I, I did the math on if you were going to get accredited through one of the main schools, it would be, you know, close to a thousand dollars if you, because there's travel and you have to take a certain test and then you have to take their specific classes. Mm -hmm. Um, you're basically paying into whatever they're, um, you know, of course they want that because they want you to continue giving them their money, mm -hmm. um, right? It just seems a little disingenuous to me. Uh, you can put all the language around it that you want, but it's, but again, you know, it, it is trying to protect the rigor of astrology, but I think we do have to, to criticize it and say, this is classist. Not everybody who might want to participate in that has the resources, nor should be spending resources on something like that. Um, Again, it goes back to the purpose of witchcraft and the purpose of astrology. Like if we're trying to fight capitalism or fight whatever is in the mainstream, why are we going to develop this very rigid tradition that we all have to adhere to? It's yeah, just but, so yeah. wild. 
No, it's very much like a sort of, uh, you know, Harvard degree uh, bestowing of a sort of uh, privileged um, access to the arts or whatever. But it, it, I don't know. To me, it, it's very similar to the idea of getting an MFA in literature, which is just that there's this obvious sort of glut of people who want to think of themselves as astrologers or as writers. Um, and so one form of gatekeeping to sort of, I, I understand that part of it is like protection. Uh, you want mm -hmm. to protect um, people who are looking for an astrologer and looking for guidance because they're going through a difficult time. You want to protect them from charlatans. Um, but it just seems misguided in the sense of, um, once that becomes standard, like once an MFA degree becomes standard for becoming published as a writer, or once accreditation becomes standard for hiring an astrologer, um, you know, of course it's going to lock out a certain segment from, um, being paid for their work. And that segment is always going to be the economically disadvantaged. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've already seen this a little bit. Um, and I guess this is the way any industry goes, right? But it's just, it's creating another group of privileged elites, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, astrology, since it was like so intertwined with fashion and beauty, um, you know, there's already a certain level of privilege of access to that, right? And so I think when you um, add this, again, I think the MFA is like such a good example. It reminds me of, I mean, getting an MFA, there's merits to it, right? You have to work mm -hmm. really hard. And if you want to have that time to really develop your craft, like there's a lot to be said about that. But having an MFA is not the only path to being a writer, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, just as getting accredited is not the only path to being an astrologer. It might yeah. just make you feel more comfortable, maybe if you're new starting out. Um, I did. I do appreciate the point that you made about protection against charlatans. Uh, you were talking about Neptune and Pisces. Mm -hmm. uh, we're yeah. very much in the Neptune and Pisces era, and it's I've been a thinking show. a lot. It is. It is wild, absolutely wild, and I've been thinking a lot about how Pisces on the positive end is like, you know, connection to, to spirit and other realms and transcendental understanding and like all these things that everybody chases and wants. But on the low end, I mean, it, it's lies and it's mm -hmm. frauds. Yeah. Um, and that is the problem, right? Where that we've developed in astrology with the sudden boom is like, how do you tell the difference? And also we're dealing primarily with a generation that has Neptune and Capricorn, so has delusions of capitalism, right? Uh, yes. I think yes, about yes. this all of the time, about the Neptune in, in Capricorn generation and how they're all probably going to lead us to our doom. But we haven't even seen the Neptune and Aquarius people yet, so that's going to be super fucked up too. Um, yeah. I think all the time about when all of the sort of outer planets get to Aquarius, like I, I'm totally uh, preoccupied and obsessed with it. We're fucked. We're fucked. I mean, the last time it happened was the French Revolution was Pluto and Aquarius. <laughs> we're fucked. Oh, <laughs> man. I didn't even put that together. I'm over here just like 
absolutely in outer space being like, maybe we'll see aliens. <laughs> it has to be. I'm not saying it's aliens, but maybe it's aliens. No, I'm totally kidding. I don't know. I no, it's just, a, it's just maybe. the French Revolution again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Of this delusional belief in human ingenuity as a thing. And so I pray every day that once all the, the fun planets get into Aquarius, we'll see. Maybe it'll liberate us from some of this uh, Earth sign stuff. Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. French Revolution style will we'll shake off the yoke of, you know, um, the 1% th- no, I think it's just going to be, you know, like uh, millennials self guillotining. I think that's 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 what it's going to be. Um, As a millennial, I will say, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, so if we're if we're not going to rely on accreditation um, and these sort of professionalized spaces to teach us how to be astrologers, um, I guess. How do we learn? I mean, what was if what I mean, if you're sort of comfortable talking about it, um, what was your sort of learning process uh, for astrology? Yeah, absolutely. So my learning process, I'm not sure if it's a good example, um, because I had a really good mix of things. So, I mean, I first started looking into astrology back in the days of America Online and you had to wait like, you know. (laughs) six, 10, 18 minutes for one page about, you know, Neptune and Sagittarius to load. Yeah. But yeah, I I was hiding out in my house, like locked my door because obviously astrology was a big no, no, just like devouring this information. But then um, after that, it was, I, (laughs) this, this is a little bit funny. The first book I got that got me into astrology was the idiot's guide to astrology. (laughs) <laughs> no lie. I was working at Barnes and Noble at the time and I was bored. And so I picked up the book and I was like, oh, this is like that thing I used to look at on the internet. And then I pulled up a birth chart and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is accurate. This is something. And so I started reading for my friends and I just, like I do with most topics, I just, I inhaled it. Right. Mm-hmm. It became a part of my being um, through like osmosis. Um, I was lucky enough to have an astrology teacher locally who did teach me some things um so yeah i think reaching out to older mentors definitely helped she was actually a um customer of mine i worked at the Barnes and noble cafe and i met her that way but after that it was just me taking my own initiative to find books that seemed like they were well researched right in -hmm. astrology and any witchcraft you have to have a really solid bullshit detector and i think it's one of those things but at least from what I did, it was almost like out of every seven books I read, there was one that had real information in it that was good. Sure, yeah. Um, and and that might have just been access. You know, this was, we're talking years ago in South Carolina. It's not like the Wicca section of the bookstore was, you know, heavy laden with, uh, you know, rich texts on the subject. I definitely had to wade through some things. But um, I think not poo-pooing the beginner stuff. Um, and just doing the best research on your own that you can. I mean, we live in the internet era. We know how to tell what's what's real from what's not. We have more access than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and just studying as much as you can. I really believe in learning by doing and, and practicing, right? Um, I always get baffled when I get those emails that are like, how soon into my practice can I start charging? Um, I started yesterday. Um, because I just feel like at that point, you just don't have the 
lived experience of like what's out there and what it feels. You have to know what transits feel like. You have to know that a Mercury transit has that sort of electric, frenetic energy to it. And you have to know that a, a Saturn transit feels um, costly and heavy, mm-hmm. you know, Li- living through that and, and feeling those energies and getting to know them almost as like entities. I know that's a little more abstract, but I think it matters, right? Um, yeah. astrology is a practice. It isn't just something that you learn in a book. So, and I think that seeking out mentors is also important. And I know that it's one of these things where, um, it feels like luck or privilege in order to be able to find somebody, uh, who knows their shit and is willing to share their information with you and build a relationship with you. But I, I do think that there's this weird impatience within the sort of capitalist um, astrology world where it's like, no, I want, I want a structured learning environment. I want an accreditation to prove that I have this knowledge and then I want to set up my own shop. Like it, it's sort of a um, combination of impatience and then a, a sort of inability to, to understand something as, um, as a sort of life sustaining practice versus a profession. And I worry about the people that don't see the difference between those two things. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you know what? I think it isn't just astrology that's having this sort of crisis moment right now. I think um, the sort of popularity of the side hustle is a concept like be a boss bitch, get a side hustle. Yeah. Um, which is really just capitalism trained to take more of your time and effort um, when we really should be getting paid living wages. Um, but I think we buy into that. And I think, you know, I've, I've at times had difficulty just enjoying something for what it is instead of saying, okay, well, I need, I need money. Like, how can mm-hmm. I make money off this? Yeah. Um, which is a very real struggle. Yeah. I, I, it's not that I'm unsympathetic to that struggle, especially because, um, day jobs aren't what they once were and that they, they now require your entire being. It's not like you can just go bartend. (laughs) Now you have to like, you know, make your own craft cocktails and have a mustache and an apron, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's not the the sort of casual engagement with your work is no longer possible. So I completely understand people wanting to turn their passion projects into the thing that makes their money, but then that there's consequences for that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, so how do we, how do we, I was having this conversation with, um, uh, with Jen May, uh, who I made the tarot deck with and some other projects. And we were talking about like, well, how do we think about our, the work that we do together and our creative work outside of the sort of capitalist mode. And the answer we came up with was, uh, we're successful at it because we only make things that nobody wants to buy. (laughs) Um, um, other than that, like, how do we, how do we pursue these things without it being, sort of overtaken by, uh, you know, capitalist values and understandings of whether what we're doing has value or not. Mm. 
I mean, that's the that's ultimate the question. And again, question like, right? too, too big for this, you know, 45 minute episode. I mean, I, I think beyond just taking the like traditional, like Alistair Crowley, like no one should get paid for their spiritual work, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think you just, it sounds stupidly simple, but you just have to keep checking in with yourself and say, do I love doing this? You know, mm-hmm. like, I have to do that. I get offers to write things and, you know, I have to, I made sort of a promise to myself maybe like two years ago that I was like, okay, I've, I've paid my dues and I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to write anything that isn't something that makes me feel good or that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily want my name on in 10 years. Right. Mm, And I think that's always the way I've approached my career, but you know, always check in with yourself and say like, why am I doing this? You know, am I doing it because it's popular and everybody else is doing it? And that's a very valid reason to do something. I started watching the dragon show because everybody I knew was watching it and I wanted to participate in that cultural moment. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something to be said for that. But if you're going to take it further and you really want to grow in that, like you have to feel it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that there's a way of um, entering a pursuit or a subculture um, in a surface level way at first, but then committing to it. You know, I'm in the sense that the thing that's um, always said about uh, the sort of feminist t-shirts and the, you know, this is what a feminist looks like. And that sort of girl boss, hashtag girl boss or whatever is like, well, what if that's, what if that's the entryway into a more intense engagement? And um, I say, but it rarely is. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, and I see this sort of um, surface level engagement so often on Instagram of um you know, here's a tarot card and a crystal and a cat. So I'm a witch now and pay me money. Um, you know, it's so, it's so obvious. Um, but I do think that that can be, um, can be a way of inspiring engagement and, uh, you know, big changes in a person's life and spiritual practice, but it has to be chased after and pursued. It can't just be, um, it just it can't just be a t-shirt that you wear for five years. Yeah, the the chase and the pursuit is really, really important. You know, my absolute favorite thing about astrology, I always say is that and this is not like just a corny thing. This is literal fact. I am mm-hmm. learning new things about my own birth chart literally every day, maybe oh, sure, even yeah. every moment of every day. Same. And yeah. I do not. It's, it's such a mystery to me. It's a, It's a beautiful mystery. Like how that is possible. How does this one specific thing contain so much knowledge that you can live your whole life and, and still be uncovering um, what it means to you and what it means in the grand scheme of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking for those meanings and like, I think the, the pursuit of new meanings and new experimentation has to be what's driving you, you know, because I think the thing that is lacking on Instagram is maybe that newness, right? It's like, oh, well, it's almost like even if you zoom out to the grid, you can tell a witch picture when you see it. You're like, oh, crystal, check. Cat, <laughs> check. Herbs, yeah. check. Um, there's no real curiosity there. Mm-hmm. I think it was 
I think it was you. We had an exchange on Twitter, I think, before we actually knew one another, where you were talking about how a person's Mars uh, could indicate uh, how they could best use their energy in, you know, a form of resistance against sort of the Trump administration. Was that you? Yes, yes, yes. What's your, what's your Mars in? I can't remember. My Mars is in Pisces, 29 degrees Pisces. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the 20 degrees. Uh, so how, how does that manifest in, in the form of sort of resistance to all the sort of Neptune and Pisces culture? Oh, my gosh. It, it's kind of created this horrifying life conundrum for me right now because I feel deeply spiritually called to use my, um, you know, I feel so uncomfortable with the labels that exist for witchcraft and astrology and magic or being psychic um, mm-hmm. because there's still such stigma, you know, and sometimes I, I struggle with being able to say with a straight face, like, yeah, I can predict the future sometimes, or, you know, I can direct spells to make certain things happen. Um, but just overcoming that and, and following that deep spiritual call, no matter what the, um, the larger cultural consciousness is doing. <laughs> um, trying, I try to lead by example and just do what I do. But yeah, I mean, Mars and Pisces traditionally would be, you know, turning that warrior energy spiritual and being like the Oracle type person. Yeah. It's super um, Parsifal. I mean, it's super grail night. It's yeah. 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 What's your Mars again? Virgo. Virgo. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yes. Well, I mean, obviously you resist by writing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's by so criticizing. Yeah, that's all I do is it's criticize. Like, right. <laughs> this movie but you do it so well, right? <laughs> Someone's got to do it. I mean, if it was all the Mars and Pisces people, we would just be like, but let's just all sit around and have spiritual visions and old hands, right? Like, I don't let's want to be put, in conflict with you. Let's yeah. put some flowers on the Trump tanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so the most important question of this of this podcast is uh do you think uh Lana Del Rey is a witch or is she an, an Instagram poser? Like I mean she was she was sort of like the Trump hexer. Um so where do we fall on that? She's a witch. Okay. 100%. There okay. is um oh, I don't know if I should say. I'll go ahead and say. Um sure. there is it's been talked about online a little bit, but I've used it very specifically in my practice. There's three asteroids um, that correspond to different witch names, um, Cersei, Medea, and Hecate. Um, and you can sort of align those, lay those over people's charts and see what kind of witch abilities they might have. And I do remember I ran Lana Del Rey's chart, and I do believe she had one of them. And I was like, oh, yeah, box check. She's a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use the Pythia sometimes. Lots less a witch person and more somebody who's just like it can be someone who's like literally good at tarot or astrology, mm-hmm. um, but it can also be someone who's just like ahead of the cultural curve because they see it coming. So yeah, Lana Del Rey's a witch. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I go back and forth. Um, but I do have to say I have Pythia on my sun and Circe on my moon. Mm, see yeah. totally i have medea on my moon um that's a lot 
So yeah, it's a lot. There, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there for yeah, sure. There's a ton. You said Pythia on your sun, and then Cersei on your moon. Yeah, I I love Cersei as an asteroid. You just people who have it have this ability to glamour other people. It's like I don't know the traditional witch who like seduces and charms. <laughs> um, I love it. It's great. Um, I could do this for hours. Yeah, no, me too. Um, but uh, any final thoughts on witchcraft and uh, and capitalism before we go? Oh, the only other thing I wanted to talk, and this is this is not a question. This is just a complaint or a comment, um, <laughs> which is that the one thing that sort of riles me up when we when we talk about um, witchcraft or like contemporary feminist links to historical witchcraft or uh like historical sort of gypsy traditions is that it is in a way well with the gypsy traditions as cultural appropriation but with the witchcraft thing it's it's a very sort of self-serving a historical version of events um to think of uh because i read in so many of these terrible witch books and there are a lot of them that have come out in the last sort of three years um you know this idea that witches were burned because men feared female power or they feel they feared teenage sexuality and and so on i was like they were it was something else so um i guess my complaint is just that when we talk about these things in a sort of a self-serving way a lot of times we are erasing we're talking over women who did actually suffer um and we're using their stories for our own uh self-serving purposes and uh it bothers me and that's just that's just the thing i had to say that's really important i'm glad that you said it i i have thought that but not in those specific words before so I'm glad you shared. I think we all have different, like, specific things about um, witchcraft and astrology that just, like, get in your craw. <laughs> Do people say that, like, in other places besides South Carolina? Get in your craw? We, oh, yeah. We say um, it in Kansas. So, yeah. Okay, good. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. For me, one thing that just drives me absolutely up the wall is this, I don't know, diff- the ancestor, the ancestor worship thing is dicey. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, of like you, you can only practice within the tradition of like what your ancestors were. But then, like, what if your ancestors were Nazis? I don't know. These are the things I think about. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, my ancestors are like slaveholders and Vikings. So there you go. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.